Hi, I'm Lois Catherine Herr, feminist, executive, and writer. Welcome to the Women's Equality Journal. In my earlier podcast, I talked about how we changed discriminatory behavior in the 70s. Now I want to address how those tactics relate to the problems of today and to give you some ideas of how to cope. Current news articles talk a lot about pay inequities, sexual harassment, and hostile work environments. Even in the executive suites, there's the pay gap. The first step to changing our environment is knowing what is. We need to learn the facts and find out how decisions are made. Secondly, anyone who wants to change the status quo needs to find leverage. Are there friendlies on the corporate board or among major investors? Is there a specific law that's being broken? Is there an opportunity to expose the situation in the media? These are all ways to get attention to the problem at hand. But let's talk about tools for personal survival. Lean In, Forbes Women, and other groups help build your confidence. We band together in groups like these to know we are not alone. And out of these groups, we get the courage to change the world, or at least our corner of it. There are enough women now to support each other, even in the executive ranks. But we need to create our own support system by creating circles. Circles are powerful. We often rely on our circle of friends. But during times of stress, an intentional circle can be even more valuable. In a small group, committed to meeting regularly, being open, and being tolerant, we can talk about what bothers us. We can do so in a setting of acceptance and confidence. We can talk about our successes and our failures, knowing we won't be judged. We can share our joys and our griefs. Really, in the company of our circle, we can be most ourselves. I'll give you two examples. Consciousness raising circles were popular in the 70s. 10 to 12 women joined together with a specific ground rule. Whatever the topic, Discussion went around the circle, giving each person time to talk without interruption. That was difficult at first, but it helped us listen to others, and it encouraged each person to speak freely. Many such circles went on for years, and lifetime bonds were built. The second example I'd like to tell you about is a mentoring circle. I helped start such circles at work. The ground rule was the same as for consciousness raising, but in this case, all of us worked in the same company. A mentoring circle was specifically formed with a third of the women in the group being two levels above the rest of the women in the group. However, everyone was an equal participant. The higher level women were not there to educate, to advise, or to guide, but to participate as equals. 
The starting number of 12 usually fell to 8 or 10 within the first few weeks and remained stable thereafter for the life of the group. Once membership in a group like this is achieved, though, it should be closed to new members. Confidence and rapport built up by the group are so crucial to its success that any midstream addition is likely to damage that rapport. Everyone in the circle must be committed to confidentiality, to sharing, and to attending all meetings. Topics for discussion are chosen by the circle, with one topic per meeting chosen well in advance. Early meetings are great opportunities to get acquainted. The first topics may cover times and events prior to their current associations. That provides an air of comfort and an opportunity to build trust. A series of bio topics works very well as you get to know each other through the stories of your lives. The format of time to talk is critical. As you discuss the topic going around the circle, each person has an allotted period of time under, under, uninterrupted to talk. Supportive or clarifying questions can be asked, but no lectures, no challenges, and no personal opinions from others are allowed. It is important to give each person time and space. This approach encourages each person to get to the edge of their thinking, to deal with pauses that will take them across gaps in thinking and bring them closer to new understandings and insights. Any interruption may derail the train of thought. Listeners should learn to listen, to realize they are not in a conversation. After one round of the circle, there can be free discussion and conversation although some groups find it productive to go around the circle again. Mentoring circles are an end in themselves, useful interludes of interaction and learning from each other. Actual one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationships may develop, but they are certainly not to be expected. What is expected is that those who participate will be better prepared to be mentors or to be mentored when the time and the opportunity arises. At its best, a mentoring circle is supportive and sharing. Each member learns from the others, and you build friendships across levels and trust. Therefore, we can increase the probability that real mentoring will take place. The tools of consciousness raising and mentoring circles are not out of style. However, they do not occur by accident. They are specific tools for survival in hostile and difficult environments. I encourage you to take these ideas and make them your own. I'd like to hear about how it goes. So stay in touch and do listen in again next week to the Women's Equality Journal.